Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I'm going to talk about a couple things. Um, the big ones are my experience with a couple of games. Um, specifically, we played a second session of Dragon Heresy, um, and that was a lot of fun. And then I'm also going to talk about the session of King Arthur Pendragon 4th Edition that I ran to run through the story of Beowulf. And that was a lot of fun, too. So um, if hearing about those sessions sounds interesting to you, stay tuned. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk about. So um, first things first, Dragon Heresy. Dragon Heresy, we, the first time, basically just spent our time creating characters and then using the um, price list because we had characters purchasing things and setting up for adventure and all of that sort of stuff. Um, second session, we had um, some more players. So we had two new players. Um and everybody was great. Uh, it worked out quite well. The The new guys didn't take too long to kind of get in the spirit of things and get in the mix and all that sort of stuff, which was great. Um, so, yeah, that that was all really good. We basically spent about 30 minutes um, prepping and getting everything ready and all that sort of stuff. Um, 30 minutes or so of the session was spent on the road and then about an hour, maybe a little more was spent in a random encounter combat with some skeletons. And so that's the, the kind of big thing I think to talk about. Um, combat was really interesting. It, um, it worked really well. It was kind of, um, I was worried that it was going to slow down, but um, our experience with it was that it went pretty quickly. Um, one hour for combat is not great for a lot of kind of OSR games, but apparently for 5e, it's <laughs> all right. Um, and this was still, to be fair, kind of low level 5e, so it shouldn't have had as many, um, bells and whistles for characters to pay attention to and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think we got into it pretty well. We, um, we figured out, we got a, a, a nice kind of flow going with the, the skeletons fighting. There were six skeletons, two archers and four skeleton swordsmen. Um, we got to find out, so the Berserker's Rage ability was real powerful, um, and that was really cool to see. Um, but at the same time, you know, we got a really good sense of, like, getting ganged up on by skeletons was not good for one of the fighters. He very nearly took wound damage. Only a couple of he... Um, we also found out that shields are... Um, crazy useful shields are are really um really effective um especially because one of the things that you can do on your turn is use your reaction to block an attack that's coming in and take it on the shield um which is 
really powerful. It gives your character a whole lot of survivability. So that was really cool. It really, it really had that feeling of more grounded, more kind of gritty combat that, uh, that was what I was going for from Dragon Heresy. And I liked, I liked the bigger rules versus wound rules. That worked pretty well. Um, it was a little odd that the skeletons would get um, incapacitated instead of just killed. So I ruled that basically when they went down unconscious, they were finished off immediately by the, the players. Um, but I can see how it would work in terms of the the on the player's side, the idea that a, a character would go unconscious instead of just dying, um, in particular, uh, that death saves wouldn't start up right away, um, partly to give the the PCs a chance to regroup, because that's one of the things, for instance, with um, something like Pendragon, we were talking about it after the uh, Beowulf Pendragon game, which is what I'm going to get to next, and that um, having an unconscious threshold is in some ways it feels like a um, a player preserver, right? A player, instead of just wading into the middle of combat, the idea is, A, it gives them a threshold where they are uh, a PC preserver in the sense that it gives them a threshold of damage that they can take without actually dying, but will be out of the fight so that... Um, their buddies can come rescue them and all that sort of stuff. Um, anyway, so Dragon Heresy. Dragon Heresy was quite fun. Um, yeah, I I don't have a whole lot more to say about it other than it, um, it worked pretty well. It's unfortunate that it doesn't have a Roll20 sheet, but most of the rolls are d20 plus modifiers anyway so it was easy enough to to do with just typing slash roll 1d20 plus something um and i think the players had a good time which is always a, a positive that uh you know you want the players to have a good time in your games and i think the players did have a good time fighting some skeletons they're now at the ruins of log so they're going to have to investigate the ruins and figure out what's going on and what uh, is causing all of this crazy stuff, this this undead menace. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and the fighting worked. And I think that's that's kind of my biggest takeaway is that the cool special mechanics in Dragon Heresy. Um, they didn't slow the game down too much, in my opinion. Everybody obviously has a different tolerance for slowing the game down. Um, they slowed it down a little bit because, especially early on, we had to go through kind of what your options are when you get hit because there are a number of them that um, you can... Uh, and that it matters whether you, you know, choose to just stiff chin, take it on the chin... Um, versus using your figure to avoid a blow versus using your shield to block the blow. All of that matters, and you have to kind of... I think once we have played for a little while, and that's like, you know, more intuitive to the heroes, 
then it won't uh, won't be so rough. But um, yeah, player characters, the PCs are all now level two, well on their way to level three. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Pretty, pretty fun adventuring. Dragon Heresy, it's a, a strong recommendation for me for now. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a, yeah, I don't know what else there is to say, but it's a, it's a really fun version of 5e, a lot more fun than I, um, have had with regular 5e. And there's some really clever stuff to it to, I think, keep it in the fun range, you know, uh, it's only, for instance, I've, I've talked before about it's only five levels for all the PC character classes. So the idea is that this is a world where there's still that, you know, dangerous eighth level monsters or whatever, CR8, whatever you call them. Monsters are still serious danger, even to a group of really hardened adventurers. Um, and there's a lot of spells you know, wizards are not necessarily the huge damage dealers that they can be with spells like fireball and things like that, that, um, they don't, they just don't have the, uh, the spells to do that sort of thing. They're, they're sort of stuck at that more lower level kind of support role. Um, and, Interestingly enough, we saw some really cool stuff with the mechanics with regard to the cleric. The cleric had a special spell that, um, as a cantrip, did radiant damage. And radiant damage is directly to wounds. So every time it went off, and unfortunately the skeleton saved like three or four times against it out of like six tries. But every time it went off, it did actual like permanent damage to the skeletons, which is really cool. Um, it really felt like, oh, this is a mechanic that works along the same principles, but is different than the uh, the main mechanic. I don't know how to describe it, but it, it basically if didn't just feel like another weapon. It didn't feel like, oh, the cleric has a special weapon that they can attack with, it, like like another sword. It didn't just feel like a fancy special sword. It felt like a legitimate, you know, special spell. And it, it did its own thing, and that's really cool. Um, anyway, so I've talked enough. Dragon Heresy, it's very cool. Go get it on Douglas Cole's website or on DriveThruRPG if you haven't gotten it already after I've talked about it for a while now. Um, yeah, it's it's very cool stuff. And the book is really pretty. I, I have a physical copy now, and it's a really pretty book. So, yeah, go get it. So the other big special thing that I've been doing is um, I ran a special one-shot of Pendragon 4th Edition going through the plot of Beowulf, or the plot of the first half of Beowulf, the, the section in Denmark with Grendel. Um, 
And it was a ton of fun. It was great. I had five players, which is always, it's always great to have lots of players who are involved. Um, and it was, it was really a great time. That system, Pendragon, I think for whatever reason, part of it is it just, it clicks for me. Something about that system really um, works for me. There's some other stuff I like that um, oftentimes a lot of the stuff you do, it feels like your skill matters more than the circumstances. Um, there's obviously circumstantial modifiers to roles and stuff like that, but a lot of times it's more about your character's skill, and I really like that. Um, I like the the feeling that um, my character is a a skilled person, right? They're, they're good at what they try to do. Sort of like having um, high proficiencies in something like AD&D 2nd. We've been playing AD&D 2nd, and so having high proficiencies feels similar. Um, but yeah, I really like... Um, I like that you can look at your character sheet and see basically everything about your character, including a lot of stuff about like their personality and their passions and all of that sort of stuff. It, that it's it's a really there's a really strong sense of character that you get from looking at even just a single character sheet, um, and that's really cool. That to me is something really special. Um, As far as the game itself went, it was really fun. Um, it starts off with the characters on a boat going to the Isle of Zealand, where Rothgar has Herod, and there's a storm, and there's some chaos, and they eventually get through that, and they get up to Herod, and they find out about Grendel, and they say, oh, well, we're here to fight Grendel. And then it went a little bit off the rails, because... Grendel didn't show up. Grendel actually has in the adventure a random percent chance of actually showing up every night when there's feasting at Herod. Um, Grendel did not show up the first night. So I was sort of like, okay, well, thinking through, I want to play by the rules, so I'm not going to have Grendel show up. What are we going to do instead? And so then I thought, okay, well, there's a lot of content in the adventure for going out into onto the island and looking around and kind of seeing the sights and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, we'll do that. And we'll say that that's kind of like prep for Grindel's lair. And the players just jumped on that. They were like, oh, Grindel has a lair. Let's go kill Grindel in his lair. I, I basically um, was trying to figure out ways to balance the Grindel has a lair. Let's kill him in his lair. And, you can't go into Grendel's lair because Grendel and his mother would be there and Grendel and his mother would pretty easily take down five opponents. Um, Grendel alone versus five opponents, however, turned out to be much less of a threat. Um, he only got one really good hit in, which to be fair, if we were playing by the rules should have knocked unconscious that player character and um, been the end of adventuring for him for at least uh a couple months while he recuperated. Um, but as it was, um, we sort of hand waved that and sort of said, ah, you, you know, you got firing you that you can keep going and just don't get hit again and you should be fine. Um, but yeah, so what the players ended up doing is um, ambushing Grindel. And then because of that, I made a, a quick change. Normally you're supposed to roll 
Valorous at minus five to see if you can even engage with Grindel. Otherwise, you just cower behind your shield. And I decided the players had been doing a ton of tactics and strategy and trying to figure out how to fight Grindel that I I basically decided that they had overcome their fear of Grindel. And if you think about it, Grindel has these sort of semi-magical or semi-magical abilities. And so my thought was, okay, well, what if Grindel hasn't, hasn't turned on his fear ability yet, if that makes sense that, you know, he's still at home. He's not, not prepped for combat essentially. And so when he's ambushed, they don't need to make valorous rolls. And um, the other element is that I forgot until they were raring to go for combat that that was, a consideration and so i was like yeah well we'll just we'll wing it we'll, we won't play by those rules and they they fought grindel and won they were able the grappling rules in fourth edition are not great and there are no grapple rules in fifth edition which is the only two uh, 5.2 is the other the, the the current edition and it doesn't have any grappling rules at all so the problem with the grappling rules in 4th edition is that they impose reflexive modifiers, which makes it really hard to get out of a grapple, and they don't have any system for damage. They basically just say, okay, well, if you get them in a full grapple, you can just finish them off. And that felt that to me feels really anticlimactic, right? The idea that, oh, you can just, you know, make sense for an enemy where you could just pull out a dagger and finish them off, but Grendel is immune to daggers, so doesn't make as much sense. Um, so what I did was I took a page from Dragon Heresy and Douglas Cole's Dungeon Grappling and said, okay, so we'll have multiple states of grappling. Once you're in a certain state, you can do a certain amount of damage based on your damage rating. Your Because in Pendragon, characters have a damage rating in D6s based on their size and strength. So it's, it's size plus strength, which are both uh, attributes divided by six to the nearest amount, gets you a certain number of D6s, four or five in the case of almost all of the, the PCs. And then the idea is, well, once they have grappled up, then they can do that much damage to to rip and tear. That's like like they've got Grendel in an arm bar or something, and they can just you know crunch the 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 socket, crunch the bones with a, a really good um, a hold, a, a wrestling hold, something like that. And that turned out to work really well. Um, like I said, one PC got hit by Grendel on the way down, and he took a huge amount of damage. Um, but everybody else was okay and, uh, was able to, uh, take down Grindel. One of the characters hung on to Grindel while Grindel went down into the cave. Um, and so he got a glimpse of Grindel's mother and then swam back out and basically said, okay, hey guys, um, Grindel's mother, there's another, another Grindel like figure in there. And so they had to decide what to do. And they eventually decided, well, we can't just go back home and say, Oh, we killed Grindel, but there's another one. Um, which I felt like was appropriate. I wasn't, I was, uh, prepared to do. Cause in the, in the story, 
in the poem of Beowulf, Beowulf, uh, you know, rips Grindel's arm off. And then the next night, Grindel's mother comes and attacks the hall again. And everybody's just sort of like, oh, yeah, there's a second one. And I I felt like the players um, almost over-logicked it to say that, well, we can't go home and say, well, we killed one, but there's a second one. Um, because in the poem, they're okay with that. But anyway, um, so they swam into... The monster's lair and uh, were able to do basically the same thing that they did to Grendel on Grendel's mother, grapple her and break her arms and finish her off. Um, and then they, one of the big ones grabbed the giant's sword, the sword of giants that was on the wall or, or lying next to the wall or something in, in the poem, it's more kind of on the wall. It's kind of unclear. Um, and then use that to behead Grendel's mother and Grendel himself um, because it's a special sword that allows you to bite through their magical protections um, that otherwise uh, you can't you, you can't use cutting edges to to harm them. Uh, and I decided that was something that I felt like was appropriate was always on. That was sort of like an always active magic power in a sense. Um, but a special blade forged by giants because they're giant kind would be able to bite. Um, so cuts off the heads, takes the heads back to Herod celebrations. Everybody gets new armor and weapons and money. And the poem, the poem is composed with these five heroes instead of the one hero of Beowulf. Um, and that's the story. And it was a ton of fun. It was really a, a high-tier session. Um, we recorded it on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. So if you have not watched it, you can go watch it, in fact. Um, it was really good. It uh, And there was a lot of positive response from the players afterwards, including some of the players who are not as into kind of Arthurian literature saying, hey, we could play like a, a more kind of a less Viking, more kind of Arthurian literature version of this system because the system is really good. And I I totally agree that the system is really good. It it just works. It um, is simple enough to be really kind of, I don't know, it, it works really smoothly. And you get a great sense of your characters being kind of skilled at all these different things. And there's a great, the, the opposed traits where they add up each side adds up to 20 is such a great system for like character and getting a sense of kind of who these people are and that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's just a, it's a really strong system. Um, and so I, I kind of put forward one idea and we'll see how that goes. I might talk some more to the other the rest of the guys to see what they think about some other ideas. But um, I've got a couple of ideas for what to play. Um, I have a whole series of different Pendragon fourth books and the, the great Pendragon campaign itself, which has a number of scenarios in it um, that we could play through as adventurous knights. Um, 
And there is Paladin, and there's a whole series of adventures in Paladin, and we could totally play Paladin because it's it's basically the same game. Um, and in fact, that was sort of what I put forward as an idea is that we could play this one adventure that involves the PC Knights basically being given charge of a, a frontier settlement in Saxony. Saxony was pagan and was conquered by Charlemagne, and then there's some some stress in the conquering and the Christianization of Saxony. Um, and in particular, there's a, a thing called the Massacre at Verdun. Charlemagne ordered the beheading of somewhere on the order of four and a half thousand Saxons, um, which is horrible and a great stain on the legacy of Charlemagne. Um, anyway, beyond that, aside from that, independent of that, what the players would be doing is being in charge of basically a settlement in Saxony. And it's this kind of sandbox of, you can go out into the woods and try to, you know, hunt down Saxon pagans, or you can stay at home in the, in the settlement and do things, or you can kind of go around and there's lots of sort of, it's kind of sandboxy. And the idea is part of the idea is that it is, um, a multi-year scenario. So the idea is that the players would get a chance to um, check box their skills and see their characters grow and develop over the course of the campaign. And that that might be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We're going to see um, what happens with all of that. Um, we will see, I guess, um, I'm going to figure out what I'm doing and what I'm up for running and all that sort of stuff. And we'll, uh, play through, hopefully we'll play some Pendragon or Paladin in the future. So yeah, that's the whole thing. That's the whole episode. That's uh, two play reports and some discussion of plans for the future. Hope you enjoyed. If you want to get in contact with me, I am at Cows from Powis on Twitter, as well as being on a number of different discords. And um, here on Anchor, you can anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland. You can log in and leave a voice message and get played on the show. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Hope you had fun. And I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.